come before you. And Lord, we want to be grateful. We want to be thankful. The Bible teaches us and tells us that we must be thankful in all things. And so we give you thanks for every situation, even those that are not pleasant and ones that we would not deem good. We are so glad that we can trust you with them. Lord, we thank you for answered prayer. We thank you for your protection over us and your watch care. We thank you for protecting us as we travel and doing your work in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have the go ye kids to go ye and the rest of us. If you need an outline there, I think we have some in the back. And uh, we're going to continue on our, our subject uh, of the Bible. We have done in a very summary fashion the introduction to this was Psalm 12, that the words of the Lord are pure words, uh, that He would preserve them, that He would keep them, and yet you pick up any major new Bible commentary or dictionary and they'll tell you that there are all kinds of errors in transmission and omission uh, that our Bible uh, is a uh, the best that we can do, but we don't have very much to do it with. I mean, it just uh, depends on uh, whose book you pick up, but yet Psalm 12 says that the Lord would preserve His words as silver tried in a furnace of earth from this generation forever. And so, either the quote-unquote scholars are right, and God is wrong, and and we don't know what the Bible actually says. Now, doesn't that sound silly? That, That we would have to make such a choice between scholarship and what God says? Uh, Of course, that's why we chose what God says. That His words are pure. They are preserved. And uh, the don't want to chase this one too far afield, but part of of what goes on is the deception or the uh, uh, the deceit factor is what I like to call it. And uh, as we look at the people who criticize the Bible, follow where they go and what they believe. You see. They want to tell us that there's no final authority because they want to be that authority. And uh, if you will understand this, 90% of the problems you will face in life have to deal with that one word, authority. How many of you have ever had a problem at work because of authority? Now, if you had a problem at work, it was because of authority. Uh, That's just all there is to it. How many... Remember having problems in your home growing up with the issue of authority. Mom said, and you said, well, maybe. And then if you lived in the right kind of home, Dad said, uh, this is the way it's going to be. And if you didn't shape up, you got in trouble. Uh, They helped you with that. You see, We look through every place we can examine this book called the Bible and its preservation, and we found it to be 100% accurate. No science textbook can boast that kind of uh, things. Uh, I, I love to remind people, when I was a kid in school, 
They were talking about the sun going out and everybody was going to freeze. Does anybody remember that? And I, I remember one time we got a freak snowstorm in the middle of April. And I was just terrified because it came late at night. And it was dark and icy and I could see the ice running down the kitchen windows. And I'm going, it's going to freeze just like the teacher said. But the world's always got it wrong. Always. We went through a summary of each book in the Bible and the doctrine it covers. And there is no reason to doubt what the Bible says. In fact, it's interesting the the people who want to talk about three Isaiahs and several Moseses and all of these things... You know, why don't we uh, talk about how many Charles Schumers there are uh, and how many of these different politicians who used to do this and now they do that. Nobody wants to talk about that. But they'll go into a text of the Bible and cut it up in little pieces trying to demean and trying to say that no one person could have written these things. uh, And yet the only evidence they can give is their own mind and their own works. I talked to a person one time that was saying that they no longer believed the King James Bible was the Word of God. And so I began to ask them for the reasons why they they were changing. And we had quite a conversation. And so it came down to the end. I said... Now, you've cited about uh, three or four passages that you have questions about in the King James. He said, that's exactly right. And you're going to turn this book aside because of those few passages. You can number uh, on your fingers less than ten. You're going to turn your Bible aside and you're going to accept, uh, and we'll get into this, the minority text Bibles. Absolutely. Because there's more truth. I said, okay, so we're trading in a five-question Bible for a 125,000-question Bible. Does that make sense? Because it's more accurate. How in the world could you keep track of that many errors? I can't. You know what? You can't answer every question everybody wants to put forth. Because some questions are just downright dishonest. And so what we're going to do is, and I think I've brought this out. If I haven't, we need to do this. I accept that this book is the Word of God by faith. But I'll tell you this. There's more evidence that this book is the Word of God preserved in the English language than any honest person should ever need. And that is the issue. We're dealing with a lot of dishonesty. Uh, I'll give you just one example and then we'll move on. Is I have a set of books on my shelf. The original books, it's called Criticism, An Introduction to the Criticism of the New Testament of the Scriptures. And that sounds like a pretty bad book, but actually it's not. 
It was written by Scrivener. It is the classic work on the text of our New Testament. And uh, people like to quote him on, that's where the number 125,000 comes, of errors comes from Mr. Scrivener. But you know what Mr. Scrivener was talking about? He was talking about typos in the printing of the Bible. He was not talking about textual errors. That's how dishonest and that's how sly people get when they try to assault this book right here. You see, this is our authority. Every word we can trust. And by the way, no one has offered really anything new in the Bible debate since Satan in Genesis chapter 3, yea, hath God said. Uh, everything has centered around the, the, that phrase, either God has said it and we have a copy of it, or God didn't say it and someone is writing false truths to try to uh, deceive us. And so... We want you to understand that 90% of the errors that we deal with when we talk about the Bible and textual problems were already present about 150 A.D. The errors are old. So when they argue from antiquity or from oldness, well, some of those errors are as old as the text is. You see, age doesn't prove anything. And we have to be very careful. Here is just a, uh, a, uh, uh, a chart here that I quoted from Dean Bergen, who was writing and living in the 1880s, the time that the first... Modern translation, other than the King James, came out, the revised version in England. Uh, Here's what he said. He said, traditional, talking about the church fathers or quotations, people who believe the truth, uh, the traditional church fathers quoted the same text your King James came from in a ratio of two to one. For every one quotation of the minority text, there were two quotations of the real text. Now, the heretics, these were the people who didn't believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God, who held doctrines that we will have no hope of ever seeing them on the right side of eternity. It's amazing that in their quotations, it's about 50-50. Corrupt People like corrupt translations. It it works. It goes together. And that was the point that Mr. Bergen was trying to use. So, let's just get some terms out and then we'll go and take a subject. The number one term you're going to hear us use is a manuscript. A manuscript is just a portion, a verse, a chapter, a book... Of the, old, of the New Testament in Greek. That's what a manuscript is. 
this is the backbone of the text, is the Greek manuscripts from which the Bible comes. Some of them only have a few verses on. Others have most of the Bible. The, uh, some have the entire uh, New Testament on them. Then we deal with the term text. Now, text is a family of manuscripts. These are manuscripts that are collated. How many of you have to <clears throat> file things? Uh, you have to take uh, different information and put it in different categories for retrieval. If you're familiar with that, so we have the manuscripts. They say there's about 26,500 manuscripts that make up the evidence for our New Testament. By the way, they're not all in any one place unless it's digitized. Uh, and even <clears throat> if you had them all, how long would it take for you to read 26,000 manuscripts? How many are you going to read through your New Testament once this year? Okay, if you're following the Bible reading schedule, you should be done once through the New Testament, halfway through the Old, and then we got one more time through the New Testament. But if you were going to study every manuscript, you would have to read the New Testament probably about 10,000 times. Anybody ready to get in line? Not to me. And uh, so we have three main families. One is the traditional text, also known as the Textus Receptus, if you like Latin, or the received text. This is the text from which our King James Bible comes from. This is the body of manuscripts that accounts for about 95% of those 26,500, as they look for them, 95% of them find some agreement. Now, the reason I use the word some agreement is because if I passed out a sheet of paper to every adult here and ask you, put a, put a verse of Scripture up on the board here, and ask you to write it down. Actually, let's make it a chapter, because one verse, most of us could do that. But if you had a whole chapter to write, how many of you think you might make one or two mistakes? Uh, I promise you, we would all make some mistakes. Maybe one of us would get it absolutely perfect. Well, the Bible was copied by hand. These manuscripts are handmade copies. If a human being wrote and copied them, are there going to be mistakes? Absolutely. And yet, when we put them together and compare them with each other, it becomes very obvious where the mistakes are. Because many of the mistakes change the words into, word, into things that aren't words. Obviously, we have a textual error. How many of you uh, have a spell corrector on your texting on your phone? Oh, I despise that thing. 
Because you'll start a word and all of a sudden it puts out another word. That's not the word I wanted. And I don't care that I don't know how to spell the word I want. I want my word. Uh, I'll figure it out. But So these manuscripts, 26,595% of them fall into this category or this family and have been called the traditional or received text. We, the note we'll use or designation is TR. And then uh, I call it the non-traditional text simply because if it's not a traditional text, then what would it be? If it's not a majority text, it would then be a minority text, wouldn't it? And by this, what we mean is we have spurious copies of the Greek New Testament. These do not even agree with themselves. Because if you were going to classify these copies that fall into this family that make up this text, you'd have to have a different family for each of the five major witnesses and about 20 or 30 others because none of them agree with themselves or with anything else. They're like individual voices there, but because they're, they're there, they have brought these together. They make up about 5% of the evidence. They're inferior in their quality. They're questionable in their integrity. Uh, give you one idea. Uh, one manuscript uh, was actually available for an examination by the people who know the, uh, study the manuscripts and all of this. And they were able to find in one place of the text, the skin on which the manuscript was written had been scraped off and rewritten 17 different times in three different millennia and uh, several different centuries inside those millennia. How many of you would want to trust a manuscript like that? Not I. I hope you wouldn't. Because what integrity do we have scraping off rewriting, scraping off rewriting, and yet these are the voices. And so then we come up to the church fathers and we spend a little bit of time on this. Many were simply pastors in churches that we have copies of their writings or witnesses to copies of their writings. But here's the rules that we must apply even to the church fathers if we're going to have any sense at all. Okay, antiquity or primitive, how old is the voice? Does the witness agree with other witnesses? Is there a consent between this voice and that voice? The, the Dean Bergen was writing in the 1880s, and the word Catholicity that is there is not referring to the Catholic Church. Uh, the word simply means universal. What he's talking about is, was it part of the standard accepted doctrine or is it a, an unusual or a dissident or a, a, a voice that disagrees? 
the respectability of the witness. Now, when you hear the name Origen, he is held in high revere and high esteem by all of the minority text people. He's responsible for most of it. His most famous work, praise God, nobody's ever seen it, the Hexophila, a ten-version translation of the New Testament. And, and uh, he, he rendered this thing in the Latin ten different ways. One, one of them is supposed to be literal, another is allegorical, another one's figurative. I think he used numbers to do one. I mean, it was just total insanity, origin himself was a man of very low character from what we can tell. Uh, And he was a man who was a verifiable doctrinal heretic, not believing in the deity of Jesus Christ, not believing in Bible salvation or any of those things. Do we have a continuity or an unbroken tradition here? Do we have evidence that this passage or the context fits? And is it reasonable? Now, if you will take these seven rules that Dean Bergen applied, it destroys every argument for using any one of the minority text or uh, any compilation thereof in our search for the true Word of God. As I've said before, the King James Bible, we have to say the old King James Bible because of the new King James Bible, is not a King James Bible. It has alterations in the text that come from the minority or the non-traditional text. So, the question we have to ask is what is the final arbiter of truth? What is our final authority? Where do we stop in our search for the Word of God? Well, common rules of evidence would tell us 95% textual agreement. That stops the debate right there. Unless you're one of these minority text guys. Um... How about all the things that the church says about the Bible? Would you trust a church that burned Bibles with preserving your Scripture? The Roman Catholic Church burned Bibles. In fact, if they could find the owner of the Bible, they'd like to put him on top of the pile and burn him with the Bibles. And that was happening up until the 1550s in Europe. That is modern history, my friend. In fact, we do have one, uh, one, uh, ev- uh, one story of a man burned for holding the Bible in his own language here in pre-colonial United States because he was not part of the quote-unquote state or colonial church. This was long before the revolution. And uh, we have evidence that are we going to trust those people with telling us the truth about the Bible? 
I don't see how I would trust somebody who burned Bibles or a church that burned Bibles to tell me the truth about the Bible, do you? I mean, that just about doesn't make sense, but people yet do it today. How about we believe what the Bible says about itself and we can verify that belief in the way it was practiced by people who actually believe the Bible. See, if you really want to study a history of the true Bible, study a history of the true church. They're connected. You can't separate those two. And yet, if you'll study a history of the corrupt church, it's not too hard to figure out why they like a corrupt Bible. And so, um, that is our, our, our point, is the final arbiter of truth is the text, is the words of this book. But if I come up with with an unusual belief that no one else has ever come up with, what does the Bible say? It says the Bible is not of any private interpretation. And that is the issue of almost every cult, is private interpretation. You know, only Judge Russell saw those things in the Bible that he saw as he founded the Jehovah's Witness group. Joseph Smith was the only man who claimed to see the golden plates that never existed with glasses that never worked to read these and translate the Book of Mormon. And yet, we can verify the text of this book called the Bible because... It's been copied, it's been translated, and it's been quoted. We can follow all of those things. And it brings us back to a church that simply believes the Bible. So, this is our our history. And we have different types of errors. Guess what? We talked about the copy errors. Uh, there were errors that people made uh, by uh, uh, not understanding the Bible, not reading carefully the text. And they, uh, there are some passages in the Bible that are just very difficult uh, to read. They're worded difficult. And so someone would come in and try to clarify that and take the words out. And then there were people who wanted to improve the text. And make it better. And uh, you cannot improve on the Word of God. We, we have purposeful errors. Um, we have Marcion, who was Origen's forebear. Uh, he was about 145, and that should be about 200 behind Origen. That was his date. It's interesting for... Many decades, the Jehovah's Witnesses would not use any Bible other than a King James Bible. And then they came out with the New World Translation. 
they translated their own Bible. And, of course, they went through their favorite little text and changed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God in their Bible. By the way, that's a reflection of very closely what's in some of the NIV and and some of the other Bibles that are there. They want to downplay, they want the Bible to agree with them. We have both texts being used until the end of the 5th century. That's around 450 A.D. was the middle of that century, right in there. At that time, the real church stopped using the minority text. That's what makes these manuscripts so old, is they haven't been used since 450 A.D., If you don't use it, you don't wear it out. If you use it, you wear it out. If you wear it out, what do you have to do? You have to recopy it. This is a key to manuscript history. The reason we do not have ancient manuscripts for the received text is because people used them. The reason we do have ancient copies of the minority text is because they weren't used. They were virtually untouched by human hands for centuries. From about 500 A.D. until 1500 was the first unearthing of some of these manuscripts and culminated in 1881 with the translation of the Revised Version, uh, something which I don't think anybody in this room's ever seen one other than maybe a picture of it. It was such a short run, and, and uh, by the way, don't look for them on eBay. They're worthless. Uh, n- nobody wants that Bible. Nobody used it. And so now we're going to kind of set the groundwork for... Uh, Studying the history, the human authorship, the writings that make up the Bible. How we got our Bible from Moses to present day. From the Apostle Paul to the present day. And and we're going to study those things. And so, we just want to summarize this in the next few minutes here. And, And that is... There, there are no real reasons, there is no real proof that any individual book in your Bible was not written by the men claimed in the text. The times of the writings, this, the, the chronology that is in the Bible is, is intact and no one can really poke a hole in it. The books were written by people who lived at certain times. The text that we have do not, um, what is it, what do we, okay. And, and there is no proof when people make the statement that the text we now have do not reflect the original words. The evidence is quite the contrary. If you want to disprove something, you just call it a lie. That's what's been going on since the 1880s. That's what happened. That's how evolution got to be taught as truth in every school 
in the quote-unquote civilized world is taking the truth and simply calling it a lie. Our duty is not to judge the Bible. It's to make the Bible our judge. It is to measure ourselves by this book. It is to put ourselves under the authority of the books of the Bible. It's interesting, the greatest critics of the Bible and those who believe the Bible often have other issues. How many of you have heard the new thing from the Vatican? Uh, this guy who's the cardinal in charge of communications just sent out a vitriolic uh, article on people who believe the Bible. The problems we have are all on right-wing conservative Christians in America because they're the ones causing all the trouble. Uh, I want to challenge you. If you're a really good liar, that's how you do things. And nothing could be further from the truth. We have these people that have issues of morality, issues of authority, simple issues of integrity. The Anglican Church was founded by the King of England so he could divorce his wife because she would not give him a male son. And of course, if you know anything about genetics, it wasn't the Queen's fault. It was the King's fault. Uh, and what do we do about these things? It we don't join that church. We don't recognize it as a church. We do not claim historically that it has any veracity to hold the church and to sit in judgment of these things. You see, no keeper, you cannot go to any place and find all of the evidence in one place for this book called the King James Bible. Can't do it. Because it doesn't belong to a church. It doesn't belong to an individual. And I know, if you have a Bible printed in England, I've heard preachers preach that the King James Bible is the Word of God because it's the only one that doesn't have a copyright. Sorry. Uh... This book has a copyright everywhere in the world except America. There's a little thing called the Revolution. And uh, so in order to do despite to the crown, we just printed our own Bibles. Uh, And so there is no copyright in the United States on the King James Bible. Don't, Don't argue from things like that. What we argue from is this. Look at how these people handle the Word of God. Who is the keeper? Is it a church? A group of churches? A denomination? A pastor? A group of people? 
Or could it be that the Bible was actually right when God said He would preserve His words? You see, that's what I believe. The evidence is there. We can uh, we cannot go into one room and say, here's everything you need. But I'll tell you this. We have evidence that proves that this is in the English language, the preserved Word of God. And we need to follow it. And we simply need to pay attention to its words. We have several... Um, we come down here and we'll just summarize the history and then we'll get into our prayer time. We have the manuscript families. And if you really get reading this, you'll find out that there's a Byzantine, Alexandrian, Caesarean, and Western. Basically, the Byzantine manuscripts are our Textus Receptus. The Alexandrian are the minority text. And unless you're a scholarship with a very limited area of study... Nobody really cares about the Caesarean or the Western. They just do not. Such small groups that they don't even factor. Um, in modern history, we've come up with what is now called the majority text. And what it, that is, is an assimilation of the Byzantine and the Alexandrian together. Uh, it used to be that people use the term majority text synonymous for the textus receptus. But I think it was in the 80s, uh, early 90s, a group of scholars, including a professor at my alma mater, Baptist Bible College, came up with a new term and a new text called the majority text, which they tried to foist upon the market. But it's really nothing more than a collation of the minority and the Byzantine. And uh, not a new voice, just their own thing. We have a history here. The Byzantine or traditional text of the ancient church fathers who were true to the Word of God. The preponderance is overwhelming. It is the most copied and used in church history. It was almost the exclusive Bible, except for the Catholic Church, from 500 to 1850. It's the text for our King James. The Alexandrian is the most used text in our modern day. 152 of 153 English versions use this text. It's a conflicting text. It does not agree with itself. It has no history uh, other than it's old. And again, we dealt with old because it wasn't used. These are the simple facts of the history. And then we're going to try to bring this up a little bit more modern and, and make that connection from 500 all the way up to 1611, where our Bible was put in. And, and just look at the evidence, but I've got to ask you a question. God said He would preserve His words. Where are they? 
They're either in this book or they're in this vast library of pieces of paper scattered all over the world. And you can't have God's Word unless you get every piece of paper and put it all together and collate it yourself and come up with a Bible. Either you are the authority or God's Word is the authority. Or you can take a shortcut and get somebody's book and say, I'll make him my authority. No. We want to take our time. We want to spend time studying the history, but it is God's Word. We can, we can give evidence beyond any reasonable doubt for the preservation and the integrity of this text. You never need to be ashamed. If somebody is criticizing you for being King James only, let them go. They've already made up their mind they don't want that. You're not going to straighten them out. What you need to do is work on living what the Bible teaches. That is the ultimate vote of authority to the text of this Bible. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. and We ask that you would help us in this study. And Lord, that we would review just the simple truths. And Lord, that you would help me to keep it not confusing and that we can move forward in our study. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll take just a moment. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open.